0: all right hope uh, everybody's having a good day today we finally got back in the field today um it's great uh, it's great to get back in but boy you got to be patient because um you've got to wait till the ground conditions are fit and and they they might appear to be fit on top but um they're not underneath so um Anyway, hope everybody's having a great day. Uh, let, let's get some questions rolling here. I'm just going to start talking until the question comes in. But uh, I figured we might want to do this one now because, uh, you know what, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to ask myself the same question that I ask everyone else who's on here. What is on Rick's mind today? And I'm going to tell you what, what's on my mind today. I was thinking about this most of the day we live in such a great country we we have our freedom we can just about do whatever we want and i'm thinking about the poor folks in ukraine who've just had their country just absolutely decimated uh, with russian troops tanks missiles bombs whatever bullets whatever and then i think about the farmers there who are trying to farm they've got either people or machines sweeping for landmines. Could you imagine pulling into a field and not being able to start until you swept it for landmines because they would blow up, blow you up, blow your tractor up. That, that just, it's too bad that we are in that state today. It's, it's, it's pathetic. And I feel so sorry for the Ukrainian people. Please keep your heads up. I know you are. Stay strong um, and I was thinking about you a lot of the day today. So go go blue and yellow. Um, any, uh, yeah, here was a question from Instagram. Any special modifications to the drill? Tips for drilling into heavy residue? That's a great question. Let's just start right there. Um, when you have heavy residue, we no longer use uh, no-till coulters Uh, We just use a double disc opener, but it is uh, a a serrated blade from Prescription Tillage Technology. That is a company in Iowa, and they, in my opinion, have the best double disc opener blade on the market. Um, It will cut through anything, and it, it does not hairpin, so it will not take the residue into the seed slot with it. The other thing I like about um, the STP blade, that's what they call STP, um, is, is that it does not create what you would think of as a true V slot in an OEM blade. It's more of a rounded bottom, more of a U slot, so you're not pinching that sidewall down in hard right there where that seat is. And then the third thing I like about the double disc openers from prescription tillage technology is the fact that they are serrated. So not only do they cut good, but they also crumble down the sidewall as it's rolling back up. So if you were to stop your planner and get out and look uh, for the most part, you will have about three quarters of the seed covered before the closing wheel even gets there. So that's how we handle uh, heavy residue. Now, if you're, if you're on here tonight, I hope you are, please, please uh, type back in another, uh, another response here. My question is, how are you terminating your cover crops? Are you mechanically terminating, or are you using some chemistry? So hopefully that individual uh, can respond back and let, let us know. Uh, Because if you have very, very heavy residue uh, and you're trying to mechanically terminate with, say, a roller crimper, you're probably going to want, and depending on what this residue is, you're going to, if it's like hairy vetch and clover, you're probably going to want to um, roll twice. So um, if it's a flail chopper you're going to use, you probably can get by one time if it's cereal rye uh, you plant into it and uh, roll we're going to roll later when it's at anthesis so uh, maybe the individual i don't see a response yet Um, but uh, but yeah if you've got any questions please please fire away i i I know lauren lauren's on from iowa Uh, i don't think lauren has done any field work yet he's been patiently waiting for conditions to get uh what he thinks is correct which i applaud him for that it takes a lot of patience to do that one of the things that i get irritated with is when people say that that our our systems are so resilient that we can get in a day a two days sooner than our our tillage neighbors do when when a a rain event occurs folks you've got to get in your fields when they're fit we have been sitting on the sidelines all week this week, watching all of our neighbors run. They go out and scratch it up real shallow, try to air it out, come back in, run a little bit deeper, and then plant. We have been sitting idle since Monday, and just finally we're, were comfortable with running in fields today. So please, please do what is best for you in your situation, and be patient. It's only May the 12th and and hey if you're like me i've had enough practice planting corn and beans i don't need to plant them twice in the same year so let's try to do things um as correctly as we possibly can and i got a thumbs up from lauren and that is correct he hasn't started yet i think the last time i talked to lauren he was thinking about may 22nd i don't know if that's changed whether the weather forecasts have changed a little bit uh my guess is he's probably getting close to starting so we'll see um gregory jacks hello from northeast arkansas how you doing this evening uh mitchell how are you doing this evening mitchell's got a question lots of people are into your wait to plant until mother's day program this year how are you approaching pests cover crop growth and field conditions this year great question mitchell thank you we have just about gone through the alphabet already and it's May. Um, Here's what my experience is going to tell me. We have a very poor cover crop stand almost in every field this year. Not only are the cover crops short, there's no biomass. We are going to have probably an explosion of weeds. Uh, as most of you know we no longer use chemistry and we rely solely on that that biomass from the cover crop to be our weed suppression and we're not going to have that this year folks so here's what we're doing we are going ahead now again when your field conditions are right we are going ahead and we are planting our beans now if we are planting with the corn planter We're on 20 inch row spacing, where we've moved our population up from 140,000 seeds per acre in the past. We're now at 155,000 this year because we need the density. And we are also going out and we are scouting fields and the fields that have the poorest standing cereal rye, we are drilling those beans now, seven and a half inch spacing, We are trying to put on about 235 to 250,000 seeds per acre. So again, we're trying to get that density up. So let me stress here that we are not waiting on boot stage this year. If your field conditions are fit, it's my opinion we need to be out there and run now and get the beans growing so we can get a better cash crop canopy to be our our weed suppressor. So great question, Mitchell. Um, it's hard to do this, man. It is hard to sit back and wait and watch all your neighbors run. But that that's okay. That that's okay. Um, we 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 can do another podcast or another Zoom call or something, Mitchell. So it's okay. Um. Kevin Neiman, do you have any trouble with down pressure with the STP blades? They say they take more. Okay, that's that's another good good question. Uh, Again, uh, Kevin, this is going to depend on what your situation is. You know, is this heavy clay? Is this uh, uh, a soil that's got tilth? Is it a silt loam? Is it sand? All of those things are going to matter. Uh, But here's my answer to this. We farm everything from sand all the way through the spectrum to muck. So we are pretty much in everything. Probably the hardest thing that we have to go through would be the clay fields when they have baked out in the sun and they've gotten too dry because we couldn't get there in time. You've got to get to those clay fields with just a little bit of moisture in them. That would be where I would say that not even the STP blade's gonna handle that, but an OEM blade's not gonna handle that either. So I've not noticed that that there's a problem getting those blades in. But now remember, we've been no-tilling most of our fields now for 15 years plus. We've now on year eight or nine with zero chemistry on some of these fields. Our fields are extremely mellow. We've got good tilth. We've got great aggregate stability. I mean, we've got aggregate stability that can measure down like six inches now. So when we are running our our planters, uh, we have prescription uh, technology on them with Delta Force, and we are usually running negative numbers. That means the planter is being lifted with the Delta Force, not pushed down. So I just need more, a little bit more description there, if you could, about what is that situation that, that you're trying to maybe put that STP blade into. Um, I would say that a lot of folks that are heading down the regenerative road, following the six principles, or the let's say the five principles of soil health, are starting to build tilth and probably do not worry about trying to get those blades in uh compacted soil because they're trying to be good stewards to the land and only be on those fields when they're fit i know that's hard to do hopefully i answered your question um jim uh, I, i i maybe jim mosley i'm sorry i don't know why but my chat only gives me like four letters of a person's name so I'm going to go with Jim Mosley. I'm not sure, but it's Jim M. How are you doing with the David Johnson compost extractor? Oh, uh, guys, I've been wanting to do this for years. And I finally got kicked in the butt by my son in law, Eric, who said, come on, let's go. We got to get this done. Let's go. Okay, let's do it. Well, we built this reactor about a month ago. And I'm telling you what, this is the way to go. This is the thing to do, guys. We, we, uh, I do, we didn't get a thermometer ordered in time, Jim, but we got it just the other day. So I don't know where we maxed out on temp, but right now we're sitting at 80 degrees and we're falling. So we've got the earthworms have been ordered. They will be here tomorrow, and then we will incorporate uh, the earthworms right on top of this, this reactor, and then they'll just, they'll just bury themselves right in. I hope we have uh, material in a year from now. But there, there is so much activity going on across the countryside. I mean, I, every time I turn on a social media, I see somebody showing off their extractor or showing off their, re, their reactors or, or brewing their tea. I mean, this is awesome stuff. And I just love the way that everybody that's in this community of, of thinking regenerative, regeneratively, regeneratively, is, is working together and showing what's working and showing what's not working and building community. I mean, I saw Mitchell the other day. Mitchell had uh, was putting out a test plot. Mitchell does a lot of test plots. He's a data junkie. But the one test plot I saw him doing was with a product from uh, from a friend of his uh dakota uh, it was a dakota bio i think it's called and mitchell's testing some of their product that's exactly what needs to happen here so once once mitchell goes through sets these test plots up i'm sure he will freely share that information later this fall uh when the combines have rolled to see uh you know what what worked and what didn't work and and mitchell's are also got a, a a, a huge amount of people on on ground doing scouting so they're probably going to be looking at emergence scores and 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 soil health uh scores and tissue scores and all these things associated with each of those products so it'll be a great cross-section of information look forward to seeing seeing more of that um Lauren, Lauren came in and said they take more because they're usually a thicker blade than OEM. Okay, I agree with that, Lauren. The STP blades are probably, if they do need that, um, is probably gonna be because of that thickness, and you're, you are correct. But my guess is Rich Christie over there is trying to build a blade that will last a few thousand acres, so he's probably, a, you're right, or probably a hair thicker than OEM. And then the other thing too, and and Lauren, if you would come back in um uh with a response to this, please. Um I know with Dawn's system, you guys are like three degrees, which is insane with two blades running down the field at only three degrees. So it's it's amazing how little compaction, sidewall compaction you folks are creating with that that duo seed row unit so uh sorry uh, sorry jim it's jim melton sorry about that i apologize I, I can only see a couple letters so i apologize um let's see what else do we have here keep the questions coming in keep them coming guys this is what i want to do just have have as much conversation as we, as we can. can um let's do corn um again it's going to be hard this year uh we did a pea trial of a cold tolerant pea and it didn't work and it's not the pea's fault uh we had the wrong kind of winter we can tell now it's not the pea's fault we can tell it's the winter because look at our cover crop our, our other cover crop looks very poor the peas did not survive the winter so we don't have that that growth happening right now. So what we're gonna do now is, we are going to um, get peas planted. Now, again, this depends on field conditions, guys and gals. If our field conditions are really good, and I mean crumbly all the way down to the seed, okay? The soil will just crumble all the way down to the seed. Then what I want to do is plant the corn first and we're going to come two days later with the drill and we're going to drill 120 pounds to the acre of peas. The reason why I'm doing this after the corn planting is because I want the corn to get out of the ground and have a shot at getting ahead of these peas before the peas smother the corn out. Now if we don't have those kind of because because think about what i just said we're going to plant the corn first and then come back with a heavy tractor and a heavy drill and drill right over the top of that corn we're going to plant the corn at three inches deep and we're going to plant the the peas at one inch deep actually let me put my fingers like this the corn seeds down here and the pea seeds going to be right up here so we're not going to be affecting that corn kernel but We've got to be careful we don't create so much compaction on top that that corn plant can't push through. So if that if you're scared of that, then plant the corn to you know this morning and have the drill right behind you drilling the peas after or I'm sorry I'm sorry plant the peas first and then have the corn planter right behind the pea drill planting the corn if you're concerned about compaction, which we should be so that's what we're going to try to do now we also uh, just to be totally transparent we've got a a field or two that that are neighbors to a pig uh, uh, where they raise pigs a confinement building and we're going to try a little bit of pig manure this year on a few acres so just to be totally honest this will be the first time we've tried pig manure uh, ahead in the spring. Well, it's the first time we try to p- pick manure period, but we're going to do this in the spring uh, before we plant. So we are going to have a little bit with, uh, with some organic fertilizer, but most of our corn is either going to be planted into peas that, that are going to be planted this spring or alfalfa that, um, that we, we said we were going to stop uh, raising it for alfalfa last fall. We planted 50 pounds of cereal rye last fall into that alfalfa after the last cutting, and those fields are actually already planted. So, and the corn's up; it's at the first leaf right now. So we are ready to get the roller going probably Saturday, and we're going to roll that alfalfa down. So that's kind of where we are currently, um, Joe. Kelly, I hope I pronounced that correct Joe what do you think the reason is for marginal cover crops this year I flew on cereal rye over corn and the stand is spotty nice in some areas and non existent in others i'm in central indiana. I think, and, and please people chime in lauren or whoever's on Mitchell if you got an opinion, bring it on, I think that we were too cold and too wet at the wrong time and we didn't have enough snow cover i know we had a lot of snow this this winter but there was a stretch there in late winter where the snow was gone and we got saturated with water and then it got really cold and our spring stayed awfully cold and awfully wet and these cover crops i think basically ran out of oxygen so I think that's, I think it's a combination of a lot of things here. Uh, and if you go out and look in our fields and you look at the lower ground where water may have stood a day longer than on the high ground, you can see it. The cereal the rye is eight inches tall, move over to the higher ground and it's 18 inches tall. So uh, I think is, uh, there's a lot of explanations. Uh, and we have to learn how to deal with this because if we're going to continue down this road of you know counting on these cover crops and their biomass to suppress weeds and we get uh, a year like this we have to be able to move into action here and have another plan so this is going to be difficult for us I'll be brutally honest with you we're going to have a lot of weeds I'm sure our weed zapper is going to be running non-stop um i see broad i mean we usually don't have broadleaf weeds I, I usually brag about it in the spring i'm seeing a lot of broadleaf weeds this year because we do not have the density of biomass by now we are usually pushing eight or nine thousand pounds i'll bet we don't have two thousand pounds so i hope i answered your question let's see um lauren is saying winter kill Same, probably the same explanation I gave. He's seen winter kill. So, you know, if you're not organic yet, uh, my advice here's my advice if you're not organic and you're not headed down transitioning yet, do not do it this year for many reasons. And here's a couple. We just talked about the cover crop is not going to be there to suppress the weeds. That's number one. Number two is the markets are on fire right now corn beans and wheat are going to continue to rally as the weather issues continue around the world so do not cut yourself short this year and maximize and and feed into those great markets that are coming i mean they're great right now but do not sell yourself short so that's my advice but if you're already organic we don't have a lot of options now again i'm going to be brutally honest we've got a product that i'm going to try it's called home plate and this is a this is a product that i believe is citric acid so it's it's natural within nature it's not like um Oh, the one that they they outlawed last year that had actually had some roundup in it that's why it works so good i can't think what it's called now slayer maybe it's not like that but this is a product called home plate it's ombre approved and what this does it's not systemic so it's only going to and it's it's not systemic and it's non-selective so it's going to kill everything that it touches above the ground it's gonna turn it brown, but then it's gonna regrow and it's gonna keep coming later. So what we're gonna try this on is we have got a field that has Canada thistle that's getting terrible. It's, it's beyond what I can watch, look at any longer. So we're gonna get this home plate. We're gonna spray it on this field. I think what we're gonna do, and this is gonna be a corn field. So we're gonna go in and again the peas didn't survive so we're going to probably again it depends on the the ground conditions when we get there but whatever peas first plant corn plant corn pea second whatever whatever it is figure it out and then we're going to wait three or four days and then we're going to come in and spray the home plate and so here's my my hope. i've never done this before i don't know what this i don't know how many days it takes i know nothing about this I'm gonna guess it's gonna be fairly quick because the way it was explained to me, the home plate puts a coating over the plant and then it shuts down photosynthesis. So the plant is gonna die fairly quickly, I think. So if we could, well, die's is not the right word. It's gonna brown off fairly quickly. So here's the logic in this. If we can wait long enough and not hurt that corn and, and I hope this will take 10 days to, to melt down. The corn comes up through it. We hopefully can get the canopy as that, that weed is regrowing. And then we can shut off the sunlight and, and wipe it out. That's what I'm hoping happens. So we've got a lot of tests going on. And um, I'm, you know, I just, I don't like using these products even when they're Omri approved but I've been very stubborn over the years. And I think that we, I have to stop being so stubborn. I mean, I've had several conversations with John Kempf that that young man is an absolute genius and I am convinced that there is a place for biologicals in all of our systems after having several conversations with John. So we are going to try some biologicals this year. You know, I don't know about this home plate. I've not talked to anybody about this. I've talked to Kelly the and Kelly and I are the only two that have talked about this, and neither one of us have any experience on it, and neither one of us understand what it's going to, what it's going to do or could do to our biology. So we're going to test this on one field. I don't think it's going to be a deal breaker here. Um, you know, we've got a, a, a fairly... I mean none of this is going to hit the soil if it's either weeds growing or it's an absolute mulch out there two or three inches thick of all of the dead past years cover crop cash crop all of those things i mean excuse me i mean if you want to follow (coughs) one of those principles of, of armoring the soil we are doing that here we are armoring the soil to the point that our soils are not drying out. We have literally have fields right now, guys, that we could go out and dig down through this mulch and scoop up absolute mud and make a mud ball and throw it on the ground and it's not gonna fall apart. And and all of our neighbors' fields now, the dust is flying so hard you can't even see their equipment anymore. That's what we have accomplished it's almost too much because we can't get our fields to air out and dry out but it's okay because believe me when we get into august and that mat is still there we're going to be happy that that we have plenty of moisture in the in that profile um joel let's see here what yeah joel do you do you have drain tile installed on your wet fields great question yes we do um again i wish we hadn't have done some of the things we did joel uh six seven eight years ago uh, maybe even yeah up to ten now we pattern tiled several fields we were we were making good money on the farm this is when we were uh this is when we were uh you know, reducing the, the chemistry, reducing the fertility. I think we were down to 25% maybe 10 years ago. And, and we were still using a little bit of chemistry to terminate these cover crops. And we were making the biggest ROIs the farm has ever seen. So we took that extra money and poured it back into the farm. And what I wish we hadn't have done, because now that I'm where we are today, And you see the aggregate stability and you see the infiltration rates we've got, we are infiltrating water at about 20 inches an hour. You don't need pattern tile now. Now you need tile just in certain select areas that need drain. And if you are going to do tile, you could probably get by with 100 foot centers, not 40 or 30. I mean, we put in three inch tile on 40 foot centers that's that's uh, oh it's a huge amount of money but now that we've got our soil health chugging along and we've got all of these things working for us um my answer to you is yes we have tile i wish we would have put in 100 foot centers and maybe only pattern tiled in the absolute low spots on the farm so think about that. Save yourself some money. Uh, but yes, I think it's I think it's helpful in this system. I think we have to have some drainage uh, to get get to the point to where we can farm in the month of May. Now, if we wanted to not put tile in and just be accept and be okay, that you're probably going to plant in the last week of May and the rest of June so be it then you probably don't need much tile and again it's all about context where are you what's your soil type uh how much rain do you get in a year i mean all of these things make make a difference so um no that's my take on tile um lauren here thing the thing that i did split it in three passes 10 gallon at a time versus 30 gallon one pass lauren is that the home plate you're talking about there so Uh, 10 gallons of total material yes that's the home plate so if you look at their label it's kind of a funky label it's bait you put on the amount of their product based on the amount of gallons of water you're going to apply so and and based on height of the weed so they have a category I think of three to six percent solution that's for small weeds and then I think it's six to nine and then maybe nine to 12. Don't quote me on this because I, again, I haven't really understood this product yet. So if you were in the 3% solution and you were putting on um, 20 gallons of water to the acre, what is that? You need um, uh, 6 tenths of a gallon, I think if my math is correct and uh it's about 60 bucks a gallon so i'm just doing quick math here you're looking at 36 to 40 dollars an acre that's when weeds are very very small but we're going to be up in that in that higher range and i'm probably going to do uh what i'm probably either going to do what lauren just described uh 10 gallon or i think maybe 20 gallon 20 gallon with uh four or five percent of their solution is probably what i'm going to try um and, and 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 lauren please respond back did you like what it did how many days did it take to to brown that that uh cover crop or weeds or whatever it is you were trying to burn down how many days did it take well why were waiting lauren oh well, lauren text me one week one week okay yeah one week after after application and he said instant burn see so this may be something we might try to incorporate into the future and i probably should be doing more of it this year because of our poor cover crop densities um it's all i've got several acres left that but my gosh guy if if we're going to put on hundred dollars to the acre of this stuff it that that the old the old bank account is getting dragged down here pretty quick when you start putting this on a couple thousand acres so um um i don't know what we're going to do and then lauren also replied green back up in a week so you see this is only going to attack what's what's happening at the moment so that's why we got to push this envelope and just before that corn out of the ground to maximize the amount of time that we've got this this dead going on and then get that corn to come out Um, that's about all i know about this product so uh and i do know there's another one coming um uh harp harp bio h-a-r-p-e bio and this product is, is derived from mint oil. So again, another natural product within nature that I'm assuming will be OMRI approved. I, I can't make an assumption, but I'm assuming that it will be. And this will be another product. And again, I don't know how this one works. I don't know if this one is systemic or if this one is like home plate and it only attacks what's above ground. I don't. I don't know. But, uh, again, we'll probably do a little research with it because there are going to be instances when we're going to need some of some help. And uh, I've got to quit being so stubborn, and I'm going to take the help if it's there. So, um, we are applying some biologicals, and we are going to use some home plate, and we are using a little bit of, of manure uh, before we plant some corn this year. So, uh we've got a lot of different things going on um there's got to be some more questions out there uh i've I've gone through everything i think um let's see lauren you said you we need a hooded sprayer oh you mean if the crop is up then go in and and hood between the cash crop and then burn it down in between the, the cash crop yeah oh yeah that would be a great idea great idea See and then, then again, we've got to think what's available out there, everyone. I mean, um, I don't sell anything. I only try to talk about what we're using and what we see that works. So I think here's another beautiful example of Dawn's in roll roller here, because let's say you got this this. This burn that you wanted and you hit your timing right. Your corn is now coming up nice because it sees brown and we shoot up and we get to V5, and here comes the green again. I think we could go in there with that in roll roller, smack that that one more time, and then your corn's gonna close and then you walk away. Now, is it gonna be perfect? No, it's not. But I think it's, it's a way to get you pretty far down to the finish line. And most of you know me by now, it's not about yield. I mean, are we going to raise 200 bushel corn this year? There's no way. No way we will. We don't have the wheat suppression. We don't have the fuel out there. It's not going to happen. So now you have to be realistic with the situation at hand. I am going to be realistic and be happy and tickled to death if we get 140 bushel corn and 45 bushel beans. That will be a huge victory if we can get to those two numbers. So keep that in mind because you know there's so much negativity going on. There's so many things that aren't working the way you want them to. Your cover crops won't grow. You don't have the biomass people are talking about you, your neighbors are flying, their crops come flying out of the ground. You've got all of these things. So please don't look down on the fact that you're not going to raise bumper crops because it's not about that. It's about building soil health. It's about reducing the synthetic inputs and pushing this stuff to the limit, but again, don't jeopardize what you can maximize this year because there is going to be a huge windfall at the end of the day. I don't know where Kansas City wheat is going to stop because the poor folks out in the plains are absolutely burning up. Absolutely burning up. When I see their pictures of wheat, it doesn't look like anything. So, there is going to be a huge wheat shortage and and who knows where we could go who knows um i'm not advocating to go get long futures i'm just seeing i'm telling you what i see and and now you throw in the ukraine problems and they're not getting their stuff shipped out uh it's just an absolute mess so take full advantage of what these markets are going to give and and folks in my opinion We've seen these before. When you get these massive spikes, they don't last very long. And they about as vertical as it goes up is about as vertical as it goes back down on the other side. So don't get too greedy, but I think there's some more legs here in these markets, especially corn and wheat. Um, If corn acres get lost to prevent plant, in minnesota and north dakota which is going to happen next week if they can't get in the field next week they're going to probably declare a prevent plant then you're going to get acres rolled into soybeans so soybeans might get a drag down for a while because those soybean acres are probably going to go up and corn acres are going to go down and the wheat in my opinion um the wheat is just a total crapshoot because it doesn't look good anywhere um so just just bear in mind i think we got i think we've got some legs but please i'm not giving market advice here i'm just trying to give what i what i see um lauren said we hit with the hooded sprayer at and prize fight another fatty acid like home plate okay so there's another a product called fight. So they're out there. They're fatty acids. Um, they're they're coating these plants. See, that's why they recommend to use high volume of water to as your carrier, 30, 40 gallons. But as you increase the volume of, of carrier, you've got to increase their product. So if you follow the label to the T, you could easily get, to $120 or $140 an acre applying these products. Now, it's not a huge deal if it works, it saves your crop, and now you're selling your crop at organic prices. That $140 an acre is not a big deal. But it is a big deal if it doesn't work and you've got just as many weeds three weeks after you sprayed it as you did when you sprayed it. That'll be a problem. So we're we're increasing densities. Um, You know, we're planting our corn It's still at 40,000. That's plenty high for a 20 inch row spacing. We need the density. Uh, Again, like I said, on the 20 inch row spacing beans, we're at 155. On the seven and a half inch drill, we're 235 to 250. Um, We need the density. Uh, again, if you've got uh, if you've got the ground conditions, you could consider taking your 20 inch or your 15 inch and Xing the fields. You could consider to do that. Um, I really don't know the best way to tell you what that population is then, because see, let's say you're going to shoot for 160,000. So you put 80 on this angle and you put 80 on that angle. Well, you've got your 160, but you've now decreased the density within the row. So now you're going to have weeds in the row. So I need someone that's smarter than me to tell me what should your populations be if you were going to X the field. Because we've tried this before and it's exactly what I just said. You now don't get that. Instead of your bean plants being two inches apart, they're four inches apart. And now you've got weeds growing in between those beans. But yet, you've still got the 160,000 plants per acre out there. So I don't know. I don't know how to think about that. Um, I don't know. Maybe someone can chime in here and help me out. Lead me to the promised land here. I don't know. Uh, Paul Thomas, type of manure, liquid, solid, or litter? Uh, The manure that we are going to try this spring is going to be drag-lined liquid pig manure from their pits. Um, I think this is a farrow-to-finish operation, I think. So their feed rations are probably different. I've been told this, this manure is very hot, So we're probably only gonna put on 4,000 gallons per acre of of pig manure, liquid pig manure drag lined. Good question, thank you. I don't see anybody responding to my question out there. So everyone is scratching their head like I am. I think what I, here's what I'm gonna do. If we would do this again with the 20 inch row planters, I think I would move up to 110,000 which is almost 140 that we've been doing, and then X this way to 110, and X this way to 110, because if you think about it, now you're getting, you're talking about what a drill's gonna put on, and, and a drill, I just told you we're putting on 225,000. Well, 110 and 110 is 220, so maybe 120, and 120, and you get to 240, and now you've got your density in row and you've got your density side by side. So uh, Jim's asking me 16 inch corn. I think, Jim, I think there's a room for everything out there. I think there's room uh, and a place for 60 inch corn. I think there's a place for 40 inch corn. I think there's a place for 10 inch, uh, 15 inch corn and 20 inch corn. Now I know i'm going to answer this in several ways, if you are a grazer and you are trying to have a cover crop there for cattle in the fall, by all means do 60 inch corn. here's the problem, though, when you establish a perennial cover crop which, by the way, if we all had perennial cover crops we might not be worrying so much about this lack of density this year because those perennials would have probably survived the winter better than these annuals are. So that's something to think about. But anyway, if you're going to do a perennial, now I just thought of something if you're going to you try this home plate and lauren this will be right up your alley you love to tinker with things we need to build a sprayer that has a eight inch band spray and set that on whatever your row space it is so say you're going to be 60 inch corn and you're going to plant into a perennial plant your corn into that perennial four or five days later come back with that eight inch band and band home plate right over the top of that corn and burn off what's right there on the corn because now you're saving a bunch of money instead of broadcast spraying the whole width you're now spraying eight inches every 60 inches then we could burn that off brown the corn comes up And then that's going to regrow and come with the corn. I like that idea because now there's no tillage involved and you can burn this off. Um, Okay, I'll come to you here in a minute, uh, Amos, on the Sioux Reactor. Um, I like that idea. So that's one way I'm going to answer your question. Another way would be to strip till through this perennial, which I don't like this because you're doing tillage And it doesn't work because about 10 days after you strip till that, it just grows right back in where you were and you can hardly tell you where you were. And this is if you're not going to chemically terminate. Okay. Um, I know Lauren is playing with 60 inch corn in Iowa, and I think that's even organic and they are taking a a tractor mower and they are mowing up those corn rows to help you know make that that mat and that mulch and the thatch and get that that breaking down process happening to release those nutrients from that cover crop they planted plus it's building that armor on the soil for weed suppression and now he's raising organic corn with zero synthetic inputs and it's 60 inches. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, Lauren, I believe you're also grazing sheep up those 60 inch rows when the corn gets to a certain height. So folks, there are so many cool things we can do and that—that that is so different than the norm out there. So yes, Um, Jim I do like 60 corn 60 inch corn in certain situations we're on 20 inch row spacing with our with our corn planters so I think a 40 inch would work because you just turn every other row off and we can do 40 inch corn but again I don't I'm not to that point yet we've got an in row roller from Dawn that'll go up to 20 inch rows i like the density i want to stay there for now but uh yes i think you could experiment with anything you know i've told i've told vegetable folks that do 120 inch corn and grow vegetables in between the corn rows you know um, there's just all kinds of things we could do all kinds of things um There we go. Lauren just typed up going to 120 inch this year, some with pins, some free range. So there you go. He's going to raise 120 inch corn and he's going to, uh, I think, again, I don't want to speak for Lauren here, but I'm assuming, Lauren, it's that it's the mini version of the stock cropper, I think is what it's called. And you'll just move that right up that row and it fits up to 120 inches. I love I love the idea. I love all that and the sheep out there grazing. Uh, sheep eat low, so if you turn the sheep out, I'm going to guess when corn's probably V7, V8, V9, they're not going to hurt your corn. They're going to go low and eat we eat what's there. Um, yep, Lauren, that's a Bob Wrecker special. So yep, Bob, that's what Bob is all about doing that kind of stuff. So um, great question. Let's see here. i got to get back to Amos. Amos Graber. Uh, Amos, I'll bet you're down at... um, um, Oh, I just forgot the town. Southern Indiana. I just forgot the town. Odin. Odin, Indiana. Could you elaborate on why you are using a Johnson Sioux bioreactor versus other methods or styles of compost? Uh, Amos, I just... I just... That's where I started. I wanted to use a a reactor that i had read about and i was familiar with and it's also a a product that i'm i'm confident that i can get approved with our um, uh, organic certifier and i'm sure there's other things we can do and again amos this basically falls into the category of i'm not an expert in grazing and i'm not an expert in composting so i don't have enough education on how to truly compost. I know you got to get to a certain temperature and it's got to do certain things. I don't know how to do all that. So that's why I went with the Sioux reactor. We've got one built right now, but the goal is by by the end of summer, we will have 10 or 12 of these reactors going because we will need that much product that we extract to cover the farm. We're going. And this, these, this is my intention. Um, and again, this is a, a, this is a living, breathing idea. that changes all the time. But I, I think what we want to do is we want to in-furrow this product that's going to come out of the Sioux reactor, and with the Keaton firmer on the planter, and we want to foliar feed uh, the cover crop and the cash crop. So let's say we had a a cereal crop that came off in July we planted a summer mix out there and it's uh, it's now 10 14 inches tall and I want to go out with our sprayer and spray this this um, tea or whatever you want to call it uh, extract whatever and spray it right over the top of these cover crops growing to maybe help strengthen them that they can now survive this winter better I mean there's something we're not doing right here because these cover crops, uh, a lot of these cover crops that we are seeing here this spring that, that don't look very good, had a lot of time to grow last fall and get, get a foothold and survive this winter, and they didn't do it. So um, there's something here we're, we're missing. I, I don't know, but, but Amos, I'm not against any of those other things out there. That's just the one that I started with. That, that's all there is to it. Um, let's see here, Ta or Joel. Twin row significantly better than single row on wide spacing, forty plus inches. Okay, can you elaborate a little bit more on that, Joel? What do you? Is it eight inches apart? Is that what your twin row is? And and are you on? I know you said forty plus, but tell us what you've done. Is it sixties? And are they 8 inches, 10 inches? What's your split there? If you would please reply back. Uh, Lauren said veggies failed last year, but we'll do more. We'll do more. Looks very promising. Um, Help me out, Lauren. What are you referring to? Veggies failed what? On the bioreactor? Oh, wide rope. Okay. Oh, when I, okay, got it. Uh, plant wide row corn and then plant vegetables in between the wide rows. The vegetables failed. Got it. Okay, I just that was just a thought I had, so not a good thought. Okay, got it. Very good. Um, but anyway, on Joel's idea there, we need a little more info there, Joel. What's your what's your twin row spacing and what is your population? I'll bet it's going to be high. I'll bet he's at sixty thousand. I hope he comes back any other thoughts out there any anything else what else are you seeing that you don't you're not liking the looks of you've never seen it before um you know something something out there all right here we go joel's replying back we've tried single row 60 inch corn but the corn plants are so stacked in together at twenty-eight thousand seeds per acre, I wondered if you had any experience planting twin rows to help plant spacing to maximize corn bushels. I have not. I've not done that. Lauren, would you please respond? What do you plant your sixty-inch corn at? What is your uh, population? Twin row in organic will not work. That's what Lauren is replying back. Okay. How about on a single row, Lauren, what is your population on that 60-inch corn? Lauren's probably typing something. Got a text here from Mitchell Hora in uh, Washington County, Iowa. That would be the southeastern part of the state. Uh, Mitchell says, uh, elbon rye is headed out beans are up and rolling beautiful oh look at that beautiful that's awesome i'll bet i did, i'll bet that's i'll bet mitchell's got a huge smile on his face that is awesome uh, lauren replied back maintain population we've been to the extreme so i think what lauren is saying um Whatever your pop would be on probably 30-inch corn is probably where you're going to be on that 60-inch corn. I would think you'd want it, you know, 30 to 34,000 is would be my opinion. And then Lauren has also, like I said, replied: twin row in organic will not work. So again, depends on on what you're trying to accomplish here. And Lauren just replied back: 35,000 to 90,000 so ninety thousand in a 60 inch row spacing that is density folks so that is pushing the envelope and again remember everything we've talked about here tonight that these things that we've not done before on our farm please do them on very small acres don't think you just you just listen to all this chatter going on here tonight and you're going to go out And hey, you know what, I'm going to go plant 60 a thousand acres of 60 inch corn tomorrow and we're going to do it at 80,000. Please don't do that. Just try it on a few acres and see how you get along, because remember, one of the most important principles is context. So where are you in the world and what can your situation withstand? So please remember all that. Uh, Lauren also replied back, this is crazy. Okay, so remember, Lauren has played around with populations from 35 to 90,000 in 60 inch corn, and he's telling me now that the yield was within three bushel plus or minus all the way across that test plot. That is crazy. So now what you do is you run some kind of a, of a return on your investment, you're probably losing money at ninety thousand just based on the sheer cost of planting that many seeds per acre out there. So you probably got to sit down and do a little math and decide where is that nice happy medium at. Sounds to me like just guessing here. Probably forty-five to fifty thousand, and and let's see what happens. I need to try that. I need to plant some a couple. I need to plant a round of of 60 inch corn and a round of 40 inch corn and just see what happens. Last year we did 10 inch corn and it didn't work very good because I didn't have my brain hooked on and I did the same mistake that I talked about on the soybeans earlier. I took our population that we were planting on 20s and cut it in half. So we planted a pass at 20,000 Turned around, set over 10 inches with RTK, and planted the second pass at 20,000 to make the 40,000. Well, we didn't have enough density in the row, so the weeds were actually worse in row than they were on the 20-inch corn. So I totally messed that up. So again, if you're going to do that, I think what I might do is just keep it at forty just plant 40 down shift over 10 inches and plant 40 back we need to try that again and see what happens because the density of that of that corn crop will kill your cover crop it will kill it it kills our alfalfa if we can get that that cash crop canopy and that density we can terminate alfalfa so it's very powerful Um, okay. Lauren's got a little bit more here. Biggest thing in wide row corn is slow the planter down. Everything is amplified. Uh, 45,000 was high. Okay. So just slow down and take your time because you got a lot of seed coming out. Um, and, and you got a lot, a little bit of room to stuff all that seed in there. Um, that's, that's great. Great conversation. Anybody else got any any other questions? We've gone about an hour now. Um, I wanted to do this one again with, with me on here because this is what I wanted. I wanted. I want people to share what they're seeing out there. Now, Mitchell texted me a couple of nice pictures. I mean, man, his ride looks nice. Um, I'm assuming, hey Mitchell, if you're still on, um, those beans are about that he showed i'd say they're about two inches tall when are you going to terminate that that rye mitchell is it going to be about three or four weeks from now is that what you're thinking no termination they're going to harvest there you go so is this a re is this a relay uh, field or is this a a solid stand of of rye with no a wheel traffic, and you just planted beans into it. Okay, terminate the VNS rye, the big rye is relay, solid stand, all drill. There you go. That's the way we're going to do relay also. Um, we're going to just uh, solid stand it, and yes, we will drive over some beans with the combine tracks. Yes, we will. That's okay. A lot of those beans will stand back up and we're going to do some rye that way because we want to harvest now our own rye and we're going to let some of these fields just go and we're going to harvest the rye and the wheat together at the end of the season and then we will separate the two out now i know that sounds crazy and and a lot of people are going to say man what kind of quality of rye you going to have if you let it stand from july all the way to to october but as long as that head does not touch the ground for the most part the quality of that rye will stay pretty intact now if you're going to harvest this to grow for yourself you need to do your due diligence and you need to take some um, some samples and see what your germ tests are you know pull out 100 seeds put them on a, a wet paper towel and see how many sprout and do your, you know how to do it, do your math and see what your germ is. And if it's good enough, then put it in the bin and keep it. Um, so there's so many things. I mean, Lauren and does the relay where he has traffic for his wheels. So he's planting two or three rows of rye in the fall, leaving a gap for the beans in the spring, and then another two or three rows of rye and so on and so on. There's many ways to, to skin the cat. And um, I, I love this idea and we're gonna try, we've not tried this type of relay yet here. I'm gonna try it this fall. We've got a drill that we can block off certain rows and that's what we're gonna do. And we're gonna try to do some relay next spring. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, at least the, relay, the way Lauren and, and Jason Mock and there's a lot of people that do this and, and Mitchell, there's a lot of people to do it this way and and we're going to try some um let's see here amos i, I apologize i i thought you may have been from indiana but i think you just told me you are from southern iowa half hour south of mitchell Hora. this is our first year trying compost extract trying to get it organic approved but it's a slow process working well through planner but just starting okay so um are you using a reactor and do you have an extractor is that what you're doing could you please uh respond and then what else do we have here kevin neiman does anyone know if sorghum is a host uh for corn rootworm i i don't think that it is but i'm not sure on that i've never had um I've never had uh, issues with uh, corn rootworm, but we have eliminated uh, seed treatments, insecticides, uh, fungicides, all these things we've eliminated many, many years ago. So I feel like we got pretty good balance with the predator to prey. And that's why we can keep a lot of those, those things at bay. But I, I don't think it would promote uh, corn rootworm, but I could be speaking uh, incorrectly there. Let's see what Lauren, yeah, Lauren, Lauren just sent me a picture of his rye. And folks, I mean, I have to take my fingers and what blow it up as big as I can to see the rye. That's how poor of a start Lauren has um, for his rye. And he's probably, I'm going to just, I'm just throwing out a number here. He's probably two and a half hours north of Mitchell. And Mitchell's rye looks awesome. So you just, you just don't know. You just don't know what's going to happen. So you, you've got to be able to roll and be flexible with Mother Nature. Um, let's see here. Mitchell's also responded back. 60 pounds of Elbon rye, 160,000 4.0 maturity beans drilled in April. Drilled, so I assume seven and a half inch. 50 pounds total fertilizer zero chemical no seed treatment that's what mitchell's doing 60 pounds see i got to thinking about something the other day i wonder see i've gone the other way i wonder if i'm doing harm by by planting 150 pounds of rye i wonder if we should back off and get back to 80 pounds of rye And we might have more success in the spring. Then I, we're going to have to try that on one of the fields this spring, or I mean, sorry, this fall, we're going to have to run with a reduced rate of rye, because I'm wondering if we are somehow hurting ourselves with that, that tight competition out there. And it's why it won't tiller and it won't build biomass. So something to think about. Something to think and see right there. Mitchell's only using sixty pounds of rye, so it's something to think about. Um, okay, Amos, here's Amos, uh, Southern Southern Iowa, just south of Mitchell. We are buying the compost from a farmer in Illinois and using a growing solution TE five hundred extractor. We make a five hundred gallon batch with eighty pounds of compost in four hours i know exactly what you're talking about and amos if you don't mind would you please respond back one more time and tell us how much does that te 500 extractor cost if you don't mind telling us that uh, mitchell uh ultralight rates 25 bushel rye yield goal 75 to 80 bushel beans see i'm wondering I'm wondering if if we've overdone it here, with these thinking that we needed the high density with the rye, and that's the exact wrong way to look at it. So that's why we have these podcasts to talk this stuff through, and throw these ideas out on the table. Yeah, I, I got it. We got to think about this. Um, hey, Lauren, text back if you would. What uh, what was your rate there? On your right of the picture you sent me, uh, Amos just replied back. Bought ours. This is the uh, the TE 500 extractor. Uh, bought it used for seven thousand, but new ones are close to eighteen 000 to twenty thousand. Yeah, that's what I figured. Okay, Lauren's got a reply here. Terry Taylor, Mike Plummer used to have some good rate charts starting in early to mid September. And then uh, Lauren just responded back to my question of he platted his rye at 70 pounds for the relay and let me go back to Lauren's picture I believe it was two rows of rye. Yes, two rows of rye. and i'm going to say he skipped two and then two rows of rye is his pattern so at two rows of rye and those are probably seven seven and a half inches apart from each other uh, he's at 75 pounds. And he also responded by saying that was a late October seeding. So that's part of the problem, and he knows that. Uh, Planting dates in the fall are hugely critical. I I don't think hugely is a word, but I'm gonna use it. Hugely critical to the success of your biomass for next spring. Late planted October versus early September is is huge that makes all the difference in the world lauren knows that i'm sure he would he had an issue getting his corn crop off that field a weather related something and remember we all have the same mindset do we sacrifice yield to maintain soil health yes we do it every single day so it doesn't matter what lauren's reason was he had a reason why he didn't get planted till late october it happens and that's that's the way it is so uh we deal with it we roll with it and and away we go um i'm not sure what you're trying to tell me there i think we actually saw cold uh i-m-b-i-b-e rye cold cold imbibe i don't know what that is lauren help me out Cold rain. I think we had cold rain. I think we saw cold rain rye. How in the world did spell check go from rain to imbibe? That's a, that's a new one on me. Uh, Kevin Neiman, we flew on 80 pounds of rye for relay. Beans are up. Rye looks okay. That's good. So you flew that into corn, I'm assuming. Is that what you're referring to Last last late August, probably early September? must have got some rain with it and and Kevin if you don't mind when you respond yes yes September would you also tell us where you're from please well maybe you already did are you central are you central Indiana Kevin I I don't remember Northeast Iowa okay so you're you're up by you're up by Lauren probably somewhere okay yeah you see uh kevin you just i mean you just don't know we tried an airplane two years in a row disaster it's a waste of money so i'm never doing it again but i think what might work if you have the ability or you have a neighbor or someone in the area i think these high boys that can go through this tall corn now on these uh Uh, Cover crop packages on them. So they're basically just it's a Valmar bar just blowing down and hitting the deflector plate and they are blowing that cover crop down through that corn crop canopy and hitting the ground now You might have something that's going to work now and I'll bet you that and Lauren or somebody could chime in here but I'll bet you that those corn rows are going to stop those seeds from going to the next spot over. And I'll bet you could turn off every other one of those things and relay beans there next spring in those skip rows because I don't think the, the seed was going to blow through that standing corn and get into that next gap. Now that may be on a 30 inch row uh, spacing corn planter that may be too wide, but on 20s that might work pretty darn good turn every other one of those rows off on the on the high boy and just blow cover or blow cereal right down into those those other rows and then come back in and relay beans into those gaps next spring that might work that just might work That might be worth trying so anyway anyway that's where I'm at so um guys thank you gal I don't know if there's any, any ladies on this evening thanks for joining us uh does anybody have anything they would like to end here with because uh if not we're going to shut her down um uh how do you incorporate cattle in the system okay I, I am not a grazing expert but what we try to do with the cattle Um, we've built some fence we've got water if we don't have a well on the farm we've got a truck that we haul water to the cattle Um, and what we're trying to do is again i'm not a grazing expert and i'm probably not doing this correctly and i think if you really want to graze the proper way you need to have high impact short amount of time in a small area you bring in a bunch of cattle into a small area get them in get them out and move to the next paddock i think that is the best way to do it i don't have time to do that i do not want to move cattle two or three times a day so when we build a paddock we try to build it that will hold big enough to hold them for six or seven days now we still follow the rules of grazing. So if they've gotten to where they've taken 50% of that paddock out and it's only 4 days in, you got to move them. Even though you wanted to wait 7, if it happened at 4, you've got to move them. So we do. Now the problem with the with doing multiple day paddocks though is this you have to move the water with them. So when you move that water with them, they're gonna collect around the water and they're gonna destroy that part of the field where that water is. So you're gonna, and they're gonna cut a trail through this paddock to walk to and from the water. So now you've got a huge compaction area, two of them. You've got this trail through the through the paddock and you've got the compaction around the water. So I think if you truly want to be a grazer you have to move them frequently so that you don't get as many of these issues across that that field now yes they've got to get to water, I understand that, but if you are moving them every two or three hours, you maybe don't need water in every single paddock because depending on the temperature if it's 75 degrees out they probably can go that two hours in that one paddock and then move them to the next one and then set the water up so there's just many ways to look at again i'm not an expert i don't claim to be an expert Uh, we don't have enough cattle on the farm to truly utilize what they can do to build soil health Um, i'm just not I'm not there. I'm not in that frame of mind right now. I'm in the, I'm in the frame of mind that I'm working on epigenetics and biologicals, <clears throat> and maybe even to be more specific, um, stimulants. I think we need to find those stimulants that turn on those certain groups of microbes that have gone dormant because they don't have a job and if we can figure those out i think we can take our system to the next level and then the epigenetics is is just you know look that up look it's basically what it is it's letting the trait adapt to your system with zero um um altering to the dna sequence so this is all non-gmo And it's using the same seed again and again and again on your farm so that it can adapt. Now you can do this with cereal rye because it's not patented, but you can't do this with soybeans if they are under patent. So we've gone back 35 years and we have started with seed genetics that are off patent and we are raising them and growing them out. We now, we're getting ready to plant um our test plot of that um probably going to do it in the next couple three days and we've got five varieties and about mm, I don't know 1500 pounds of each variety so we're a little less than an acre so um you know I hope to have um uh what 50 60 units of of each of these five and that that ought to plant um Three, three or four hundred acres next spring of seed. We don't have to buy, and and I want to go slow and see if this seed is what we want, though. And uh, again, I went back thirty-five years and started this project, and we've got the same thing going on with corn. And I've got a um, I've got a wacky idea on the corn, and I'll lay it on you in just a moment here. Uh, Hendrick, I'm sorry I can't get your whole name, it's H-E-N-D-R-I, that's all I can see so I'm going to go with Hendrik. Do you only graze summer cover crops and how does it fit in your three pass system? Yeah, we, the three pass system, uh, if we graze the cattle, it's going to be from May to uh, August, that is correct. Then we've got to get them out and they've got to go somewhere else so that then we can get time to put that next cover crop in that's going to be for that cash crop next spring and what we are finding is that again this goes back to context I mean if you are in western Nebraska where it is sandy soil you can graze cattle out there today and pull them off and walk out there tomorrow and not even tell there was a cow out there because you can't see any footprints anywhere but here in Indiana, we've got soil that if you are on it at the, wrong, at the wrong time, you are going to compact it, and it is going to get hard. So what we are doing following the cattle is we are coming with soybeans, not that same year. The cattle are being grazed until August pulled off, put your cocktail out there. Primarily cereal rye, but you want you've now got time to do diversity. So get your sun hemp, your sunflower, cow peas, sorghum, Sudan, radish, uh, 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 turnips, all of these things that are going to winter kill. Uh, get them out there, and then uh, your rye is going to come back and it's going to grow next spring. And now you're ready to put your beans into that. So again it's all about where you are and 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 where i was going with that was the compaction so now we're going to plant beans because beans don't mind compaction as as much as corn does corn hates compaction it will not grow beans will at least try to drill through it and give you something so cattle graze till august take them off put your cocktail out there Everything winter kills except for the cereal rye. Cereal rye comes back next spring. Plant beans into that. Harvest your beans off. You go through a second winter freeze and thaw event. Now you're ready to come back with corn. That's how we like to do it. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it, guys. I've about I've about exhausted my knowledge for the for one evening. So thank you so much. I appreciate this and next week uh, is you're in for a treat. Next week is gonna be Dr. Chris Nichols. Do not miss this one. We are gonna go deep into biology and we're gonna find out things that that we haven't known before. So uh, hang on for next Thursday, 7.30 Eastern. Thank you so much. And please keep uh, the Ukrainian folks in your prayers um, it's a terrible situation, but they are hanging tough. So, uh, please keep them in your prayers and everyone be safe. Thank you and have a great week. Bye-bye.